Hi, I'm Caesar, and you're listening to Sound Encounters, a music podcast where I explore new and classic releases, different genres, and your favorite artists and bands. So we were supposed to get a new Kanye release this past week, but we didn't. And was anyone really surprised when it didn't drop? This man has a history of not dropping music on time. Donda was more of a I'll believe it when I see it release. I've been disappointed far too many times, Kanye. You can't keep getting away with this man. But I will say the album cover is sick though, if that is the final album art for Donda. Really fucking cool. I have a great show for you today. I'll be going over my guide to get you into the experimental and psychedelic pop group Animal Collective. It was really fun to listen to their music again after taking a bit of a break from them. I don't know if you're the same way, but I have to take a break from bands or artists if I spend too much time listening to them. It's like a a fatigue. It's just like I want to move on and listen to something else. I can't listen to an artist in succession if I haven't heard them before. I don't know. That's just me. More on Animal Collective later. Because before that, we have to take a look at this past week in music. So now, let's talk about this past week in music. I want to say this is pretty much a dry week for singles, but we had two significant uh, album releases that I'm going to go over in a bit. But for now, we're going to talk about the singles, starting with You and Me Selling Weed by The Flaming Lips. This is the fourth single from their forthcoming album, American Head. This is pretty much a straightforward song about selling drugs. It has this by-the-number dream pop psychedelic arrangement with a strange interruption from a folk guitar, which was uh, kind of random. And for the most part, I was, uh, much like the past three singles, I wasn't uh, very impressed with this new one. And I understand, I've been hating on Flaming Lips for weeks now, but I can at least say this about the new singles. It's making me go back to their older stuff and making me appreciate them a bit more. Yeah, so that's uh, You and Me Selling Weed by the Flaming Lips. Next, we have The Climb Back and Lion King on Ice by J. Cole. Two singles from J. Cole. I guess uh, it's like an, it's an EP, the Lewis Street EP. I'm not sure if this new uh, record will be called Lewis Street. Actually, I think it should be called The Fall Off based on the last song from his previous album, K.O.D. But this new EP is titled Lewis Street. Anyway, let's talk about the songs. First, we have The Climb Back, which I actually really liked. It had this chill beat that fits the mood of the song, and and there was this high-pitched vocal sample that was looped. I really liked it. The production is is very good on this song, and the lyrics are equally as good as he's kind of hyping himself up and regaining his confidence, and he refers to traumatic events that's happened to him and I guess his friends or his, his crew as he refers to the death of a friend in the chorus. Overall, it's a pretty great song. I was surprised at how much I liked this song. I'm not the biggest J. Cole fan, but this was, this was I can admit, this was a good song. I can't say the same for Lion King on Ice, however, as I thought the beat was very generic and uninteresting, and the high-pitched sample here was pretty annoying and also pretty distracting as I felt myself like shifting back to, to that instead of focusing on what he was saying. Cole's verse was all right. The flow was decent. And, and the lyrics weren't really as great as the last one. They were just decent. I think what really kills this song for me is the production. It just didn't really sit right for me. But The Climb Back was a pretty good song. Lanking a nice, not really my thing. And for the last single 
that I listened to this week was Pac-Man by Gorillaz featuring Schoolboy Q. I've been waiting for Gorillaz to do something interesting since Plastic Beach, as I didn't really like Humans or The Now Now. And they've been releasing this song machine series that I haven't really been a fan of, but I, I, you know, I still listen to them because they were a significant part of my childhood and was also another group that was significant in my musical evolution, my musical taste uh, developing. But overall, this new Gorilla song here is a pretty average track. I thought the beat was kind of boring until the breakdown in the middle, which I felt was the best part of this song. It was very psychedelic, wasn't expecting it, and I thought it was a pretty cool uh, breakdown. School by Q had a better verse than Albarn, and I haven't been a fan of Albarn's singing style for a while. It's, it's kind of been boring to me, and I, I guess it's because of years of listening to Gorillaz, but his delivery on the song did nothing for me. It's a pretty average track. Schoolboy Q really uh, picked it up, but he's not really a significant part of this track. So that does it for the singles. Let's move on to the LPs. First, we have Folklore by Taylor Swift. Now, I haven't really been a fan of hers um, at all. <laughs> haven't really listened to her material. I've never listened to an album from front to back. Uh, I can say that I was a fan of her singles off of her 1989 album. Really catchy stuff. They were earworms and, and they were done well. They weren't really annoying. They didn't overstay their welcome. But it wasn't that significant because I didn't get into Taylor Swift's music after that. You know, really, ever since Taylor Swift got popular, you know, there's that stereotype that she only sings about, you know, boys that broke her heart and, and stuff like that. And and that deterred me from her music ever since, which is why, you know, those singles off of 1989 was such a huge surprise to me. But uh, I, I pretty much listened to this because there were no other significant album releases this past week. And because this was her quarantine album, she recorded most, if not all of these songs during quarantine. And I thought that was pretty cool. So why not? And she's taken this sad singer songwriter or folk element into her music which i am a sucker for anything with somber pianos or melancholic lyrics and delivery i'm all over that and that's pretty much what we get on this record now i wasn't really impressed with all of the lyrics uh initially after listening to the chorus at least like once you'll be able to sing along to it the next three or four times it, it'll appear in the song and if you don't know me already i think i've kind of went over this when i was talking about arm and hammer a couple weeks back but I really like it when I can dissect lyrics where lyrics are a bit abstract and you can kind of have your own uh, interpretation of that. But Taylor Swift has never been like that. And, and because of that, I, I feel like simplistic lyrics kind of take away from the Taylor Swift experience, at least for me. And I didn't really care for the first couple of songs as melodies and lyrics were pretty forgettable. Although Exile is a is a wonderful duet with Taylor and Bon Iver. It is a little weird to hear him without the vocal manipulation, but still, the dreary delivery and the somber pianos were excellent. This builds into a dramatic climax as the pianos and vocals are elevated. Really one of the best tracks here, and definitely the best uh, track in the first half of the album. I can't say the album gets better as it progresses. Mirrorball is pretty great. It's got that 90s singer-songwriter vibe to it, and I really like that. The vocal melodies in 7 and August were pretty catchy as well. And I'm just amazed of how much of a great singer she is. She really is the highlight on this record. She kills it. 
I think the standouts on this record are the more moodier songs. We got a song like This Is Me Trying, and I love how the strings and the sax swells near the end. The atmosphere of the song is pretty great as well. It's it's a little bit dreamy and, and dreary. Her vocals are also very dreary. And, and like I said, I'm a sucker for that like melancholic shit. The lyrics on illicit affairs hit hard. You know, just listen to this. You showed me colors you know I can't see with anyone else. And you taught me a secret language I can't speak with anyone else. Damn. Listen, we've all felt that kind of heartbreak before. And, you know, those kind of lyrics, man, they just, they hit hard. There's also a couple surprises on this record, like the harmonica on Betty, which surprised the hell out of me. My eyes literally went wide. I, I wasn't expecting it. I was thinking that the record was going to morph into a, like a Bob Dylan record. But overall, I was surprised by how many songs I ended up liking. Wasn't expecting that from a Taylor Swift release. I would say you should check it out, especially if you love this singer-songwriter and indie folk vibe that she gives off on this record. Definitely would recommend it. And for the last LP I want to talk about, we got No Pressure by Logic. This is Logic's last project. He's stated that he's retiring after this record. This is a direct sequel to his first commercial debut, Under Pressure. I thought that was one of his better projects that he's released. Under Pressure showed a lot of potential and a lot of great flows and rhymes. However, his career unfortunately just took a dip after that. I would tune in from time to time. I liked the Everybody single that he released uh, for his Everybody project. Uh, And 1-800 got a lot of uh, attention for a while, but I did not like that song. Like, I get it. I I get what he was trying to do with that song, but the execution just fell flat. And so I was kind of disappointed with his last couple of records, especially like Supermarket. God. But I'm glad to say that the potential that I, and I'm pretty sure many others, saw on Under Pressure is fully realized on No Pressure. Logic has some great bars and flows on this project. You know, you get, you hit me with a good reference or a good wordplay and a good rhyme and I'm, I'm pretty much sold. Like Celebration has a reference to Cowboy Bebop where he says he spikes Beagle, but he's known to be vicious. And if you can make a reference to Cowboy Bebop in a song, you, you get extra points with me. Perfect has got to be one of my favorite like bragging songs in a while as well. You know me, I, I hate when rappers brag about how much they make or what kind of car they have and, you know, their Gucci belts or whatever. But in a way, it's more of just like how he's made it, how he's viewed his career and how and how successful he thinks he is. And you just can't help but feel happy for him on this project because he really seems like he's doing well, he's doing better, and he's accepted this decision that he's made for himself. He's got a great flow on dad bod and probably my favorite line on this record, I love my wife like I'm Chance. That was a that was a nice little dig at a Chancellor right there. Then we got Open Mic Aquarius 3, and he's got some great wordplay and rhymes on Open Mic Aquarius, like, and I'll be sure to do more for my family than mine did, because hip-hop rhymes taught me more than my mom's did, didn't drink till I was 25 because I'm my mom's kid, and I'm just an entity, my DNA, not my identity, finding serenity, become a better man, I better be. Like, where has this logic been all this time? Seriously, some of uh, his best flows and rhymes. And the production from No ID is stellar. Some of my favorite uh, No ID beats are Celebration, Perfect, Soul Food 2, and Heard Him Say. I will say there are some times where the production is a bit distracting. I thought the 
generic children like yelling or screaming on Amen was very distracting and very corny. And there's a nod to Outcast's spotty Adi Dopalicious on Man I Is, but instead of being like this like throwaway like nod, it's it's very distracting as it kind of steals the spotlight away from logic. You know, I'm trying to listen to his words and now all I can think of is like, oh man, I just want to put on an Outcast record now. But overall, some of his best songs are featured on this record. I'm really enjoying it. I'm glad that Logic is getting all this off of his chest and that he seems to be happy. This is a fantastic send-off and probably one of his best records to date. Oh, also, uh, Talia was pretty annoying. Like, I didn't need to know that Logic and his crew played chess mercilessly while recording this record. Like, come on. But yeah, uh, uh, great send-off. Thank you, Logic, for the beats, the rhymes, and the flows. Okay, so that does it for this past week in music. We're gonna take a little break When we come back, I'm going to go over my guide to Animal Collective. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Sound Encounters. I hope you got a cold drink a nice little snack during the break because we are going to talk about Animal Collective and how you can get into Animal Collective. Now, before I go into this guide, this segment, I want to make some changes. I'm going to be doing this a little differently than how I tackled Radiohead's discography. I'll be giving you a little bit of a background like I did with Radiohead. Instead of going in order like I did with Radiohead, I'll be telling you which albums you should listen to. This will be my guide, my list on how to navigate through Animal Collective's expansive discography. And I won't be going over their solo projects. I'll mainly be going over their 11 albums and their several EPs. So yeah, a little different than the guide that I did to Radiohead, which wasn't even called a guide. It was a look back at their discography. So things will be a little different. Also, I will be splitting this guide into two parts. This week, I'll be going over the more accessible Animal Collective releases. And next week, we'll get into the nitty gritty of their discography. This will give you more time to listen to all the projects I'll be going over today before getting into the rest of their discography next week. And by the end of this segment, I'll recap my guide so far. Okay, sound good? Without further ado, let's talk about Animal Collective. Animal Collective was formed in 1999 in Baltimore, Maryland by Noah Lennox and David Portner. Their first release only involved the duo, but as they started releasing more material, Brian White and Josh Dibb also joined the band. These four guys met in school, and they crossed paths periodically uh, during their time at school, and they would always talk about starting a band, and they would play together, practice together, until finally they did start a band. I will also be referring to the band members by their monikers. David Portner is A.V. Terre, Noah Lennox is Panda Bear, Brian White's is Geologist, and Josh Dibb is Deacon. The only reason I'm referring to them by their monikers is because that's how they refer to themselves. That is how they're credited on their records. And I think it's fun. That's that's the names that I use to discuss them in conversation. And yeah, I talk about Animal Collective and conversation. Just, you know, just casually. Just mention the Animal Collective. And uh, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm great at parties. That's That's all I'm saying. Like I said before, their discography spans two decades. That's 11 albums, several EPs, and solo projects from the members. And they've experimented 
with different genres, it's hard to put a label or singular genre onto this band. They are psychedelic pop, freak folk, avant-garde. Because of that, it's hard to know when to start and what you should be listening to if you like this certain genre, if you like that certain genre. So I'll be your guide as I've listened to a lot of Animal Collective, and I'll be telling you what you should listen to based on your tastes and based on your interest level. At number one is Meriwether Post Pavilion. If you or your loved ones are trying to get into this band, this should be the first album you should listen to, especially if you're more accustomed to the indie pop sound or the psychedelic pop, and if you have the slightest interest in, in neo-psychedelia, I'm looking at you, Tame Impala fans. The reason being is that this is their most accessible album, or at least one of their most accessible albums. This record was a commercial success, critical acclaim as soon as this thing was released. This is their eighth studio album released in 2009, and it's defined by its lush and psychedelic textures and upbeat pop melodies. This is the first time we see the group focus their songwriting so heavily on these accessible and easygoing pop structures, and it results in a fun and energetic album from start to finish. Before recording this record, Deacon decided to take time off from the band for personal reasons, and because of this, the songs were constructed without guitars and, and primarily used samplers to create the sound of this record. A lot of the songs sound like they have Panda's style all over it. The band was taking inspiration from Panda's solo record back in 2007. And there's also a lot of references to Panda's family in the lyrics, like how he gets his daughter ready for a family outing on daily routine, or the terrifying feeling that comes with becoming a father on Also Frightened. And Panda famously wrote a song dedicated to his wife and daughter on My Girls. And speaking of My Girls, let's take a minute to talk about this track. This is probably their most recognizable song. If you go to Spotify, this song has 34 million plays alone. And a lot of playlists that feature like indie alternative bands has this song in it at some point. It's it's a very good song from its shimmering synths and its prolonged vocals making it very psychedelic to slowly transforming into this pop rager with its booming bass and the increase in speed of the vocals. It's a song that combines psychedelia and electronic elements. This is honestly a great Animal Collective song to slowly introduce somebody to the band, which would then, you know, gradually show them the weird stuff like I'm doing now. Speaking of the weird stuff, it does show up here and there on the record. In the Flowers, the opening track begins with this unusual sound effect that washes over you before the main melody begins. Then after the second verse, the song explodes with this incredible keyboard and percussion melody that sounds like a carnival. This is a psychedelic trip of an opener. Then you have a song like Taste that has this layering of vocal harmonies, booming bass, and playful keyboards to create another fun and poppy psychedelic song. Brother Sport, the closing track, is the ultimate trip, as this song features a hypnotic dance using layered vocal harmonies, juvenile synths, and booming percussion. It's such a fun ending to this incredible record. If you loved this album, be sure to check out the Fall Be Kind EP that they later released in that same year, as it includes leftovers from Meriwether. You have to listen to the song what would I want, Sky? That's such a fantastic song. Now, before moving on to the next essential album in my list, you could take this time to listen to 2012 Centipede Hurts and 2016's Painting With. I'm suggesting you listen to these projects after Meriwether because one, if you like the poppy arrangements on Meriwether, then these records might be a bit easier for you to listen to before we get into the really weird shit. And two, to get these records out of the way. Both Centipede Hurts and Painting With are, are kind of divisive records in the Anco discography. And I completely get it. Centipede Hurts is a bit hectic 
for those who got into the band after Meriwether, but, but it still offers a bit of that animal collective creativity that I love. Most notably, AV's aggressive performance in today's Supernatural, the lush polyrhythms on Applesauce, and the way Newtown Burnout combines these harsh electronics with upbeat vocals. It's got some good ideas, and I would have an easier time defending this record than Painting With. Which brings us to Painting With, um, which is not a good record. <laughs> While listening to the Animal Collective's discography, you're going to listen to these creative and outlandish soundscapes that might amaze you. However, Painting With is unabashedly creatively bankrupt. Honestly, this record sounds like a parody of Animal Collective. Like, I like the quirkiness of Animal Collective, but this just sounds like it's quirky just for the sake of being quirky and not using it to make any profound or, or boundary-pushing musical statements. A lot of these songs come across as annoying and, and lacking substance, like the repetitive hook on Floridada or the annoying vocal effects on Line in the Grass. Nearly all of these compositions sound bare-bones, like the band wasn't even trying, and because of that, it, I just can't stand this record. After Painting With, The Collective released two follow-up EPs, The Painters and The Meeting of the Waters, and you could listen to those after listening to Painting With. If you don't want to listen to them now, after Meriwether and after Fall Be Kind, you could skip these projects for now and listen to them after listening to the band's weird shit. Alright, so number two, the second essential Animal Collective album you should listen to after listening to Meriwether is Strawberry Jam. Strawberry Jam was released in 2007 and was the album that preceded Meriwether Post Pavilion. While we can hear conventional pop melodies on this record, it is interwoven with eclectic and energetic arrangements. For example, the opening track, Peace Bone, features a catchy vocal melody from A.V. Terror, yet the percussion and scrambled electronics are pounding and frantic, almost alien-like. This sound continues on chores, with vocal layering being the main oddity here and its siren-like electronics. The most conventional sounding songs on this record, however, are actually some of Animal Collective's best. For Reverend Green features these pounding, reverberated guitars along with AV's easygoing vocals, which switch up with AV's screaming. And his screaming here is so good, so like goosebumps and chill inducing. And I mean this in a good way. You're going to hear a lot of AV tear screaming on these records, and I'm a fan of it. I've mentioned before that I love shouty vocals and, and, and when artists scream or yell, and AV tear just kills it every time he screams for emotional emphasis. This song is an equal blend of the group's eccentricity and conventional sounds. Then we have Fireworks, which has this sweet-sounding piano and drum melody. There's also a repetitious electronic effect. I want to say it's not 100% sure of what that effect is, but I, I like it nonetheless. But it creates one of the most pleasant melodies these guys have ever made. The lyrics also reference broken relationships, mundane conversations, and a desire to have a family. As I listened to more Animal Collective, I noticed that they had a knack for talking about ordinary things while having this bizarre sonic background. For example, we have the closing track, Derek, which sees Panda talking about the responsibilities of a husband and father that we see him talk about more in the future. But he ends up talking about his responsibilities of taking care of a dog that he had when he was younger, kind of citing that he should have treated the dog a bit better. He regrets not taking care of the dog the way he should have. And through this connection, he pledges to take care of his wife and daughter saying that they can count on him. It's a sweet sentiment that is accompanied by an equally sweet melody before it explodes into this electronic reverberation with booming percussion. It is kind of a strange conclusion to the record, 
But the song is great regardless. And as always, it has its experimental moments. These guys can't help themselves when it comes to experimentation. The track number one has this repetitive electronic melody with strange effects and vocal alterations. It's a bit strange and it took me a while to get into it when I initially heard it, but this is my second Animal Collective record behind Merriweather and it's kind of like a grower. You should listen to their other strange shit before coming back to number one. And even after that, you might have uh, more of a pr appreciation for number one. If you like this record, listen to the follow-up EP, Water Curses. Pretty much has the same sound and vibe. Okay, now that we got the poppy and easygoing records out of the way, we're gonna take one step further into the weird stuff, but we're also gonna go back in time. The third essential record that I want you to listen to is Sung Tongs, released in 2004. Animal Collective fans have kind of agreed that Animal Collective's golden era was between 2004 and 2009, 2009 being uh, around the time that Merriweather and Fall Be Kind was dropped, which would make Sung Tongs the beginning of the golden era. In theory, this record should be the most accessible Animal Collective record as it's very stripped back. This record's sound is mainly defined by two key elements, guitar and vocal melodies. However, they just don't stop there. They also combine it with elements of neo-psychedelia, pretty much using vocal manipulations, sampling as well. Again, they can't help themselves when it comes to experimentation. Deacon and Geologist did not play any part on this record. It's just Panda and Avi. So because of that, they don't have Geologist or Deacon's knack for creating these weird soundscapes. So they kind of had to do it themselves and they were very stripped back, yet they were using what they had to create dense and rich melodies. Who Could Win a Rabbit is one of their first mainstream successes. It's a folk song, it's it's very much a folk song, but they play with the formula a bit as guitars stumble over themselves as they are purposely offbeat, and they use juvenile vocal harmonies that sound a bit odd, and lyrics that refer to taking life at a slower pace instead of the hustle and bustle of city life in corporate America. You know, I didn't really delve into the lyrics when I initially heard Sun Tongs, but I, I did when I was, you know, gathering this information to relay it back to you guys. And I, I didn't know that they, they were making this commentary on this song. It's uh, It kind of opened my eyes a bit. Then you have a song like Winter's Love, which is a an acoustic folk duet that's actually pretty catchy. Then we have Kids on Holiday, which has to be one of my favorite tracks here. There's calming guitar strumming, gentle vocal harmonies, and strange background effects which make for a psychedelic experience. Lyrically, it's about the band traveling to different places during touring seasons. They keep that youthful exuberance as the lyrics have this childlike view of traveling and as the duo reminds themselves to have some fun and treat the touring process as a holiday. It's another great song to sing along to, except for one line which is kind of controversial. I'll let you figure that out on your own. Uh, but at the same time, they're also, you know, combining these weird elements such as uh, near the end of the track, they have all this like yelling, this background yelling. I don't know. It's just, it's just fantastic. The album is filled with these sweet little ditties that display their childlike nature. And it makes for fun yet bittersweet listen as lyrics reference adulthood and eventually having to grow up. We have one of my all time favorite animal collective songs, visiting friends on this record. This is another psychedelic adventure, 12 minutes of hypnotic guitar strumming, obscure sampling and twisted vocals that are, are kind of unintelligible. The song's lyrics, it, they're very simplistic. They, they, they reference visiting friends, getting stoned, and getting laid. And it's pretty much like what I was talking about on Strawberry Jam. 
combining the ordinary with the bizarre. You know, you kind of dissect like what they did with this song and all it really is is guitars and manipulations and sampling. But what would seemingly be simplistic, they they take it to a whole nother level as they're just manipulating and twisting our idea of what a conventional folk and psychedelic song or record should sound like. If you like this record, listen to the follow-up EP, Prospect Hummer, which they released a year later after Song Tongs, but it, it pretty much continues the sound of this record. If you loved visiting friends like I did, listen to Baleen Sample on Prospect Hummer, another psychedelic folk song with repetitive guitars and strange effects. The fourth essential Animal Collective album you should listen to is Feels. This is the sixth studio album released in the fall of 2005. Deacon and Geologist are back on this record. And when I first listened to Feels, I, I kind of noticed this unique sound of the record, but I can never pinpoint why it sounded a bit unique. And again, doing doing my research, I discovered more things about this record. The album's sound was created when the band created loops with a friend's piano that was out of tune. And when they were listening to these loops back and they realized that the piano was out of tune, they decided to tune their guitars to these loops, to the piano. Because of that, we have sounds that are that are kind of strange, but uh, still familiar. You know, it's not anything crazy or anything like that. Feels is an album that's very in tune with emotion. And it, it's funny because they kind of coined the term before the, the term feels gained wide appeal. But it's, it's an appropriate name for the record, as lyrics and, and storytelling explore personal stories and accounts. Whether it's Avi's strong affection for a lover in the purple bottle, or the intimate and energetic grass, or coping with the end of a relationship on Banshee Beat. The emotions are all over the place on this record, but I think it makes more for a memorable listen. And in a way, it's kind of a, a concept album focusing on emotions, focusing on personal storytelling. The compositions here are also memorable. Banshee Beat has a slow buildup with these distant and vibrant guitars and a constant drumming pattern with crashes spliced in between. Purple Bottle has more of a pounding rhythm with more vibrant guitars, and Grass has to be my favorite composition here. AV's ability to switch from a soft vocal melody to energetic yelling at a moment's notice is astounding, but the way the drums crash with AV's yelling is just... Again, more goosebumps when I listen to this song. And this song also features some of my favorite guitar playing on this record. Other highlights on this record include Did You See the Words, Lock Raven, and Turn Into Something. This record has a lot of fan favorites, and and yeah, some of my favorites are on this record too. And the obligatory corresponding EP is People. Listen to that if you liked Feels. Okay, let's stop there. That does it for the first half of my Animal Collective Guide. And to recap, we've got Meriwether Post Pavilion with Fall Be Kind as our first listen. If you're feeling a bit saucy, you can continue on with Centipede Hurts, Painting With, and the following EPs, The Painters and Meeting of the Waters. Then you can move on to Strawberry Jam and the Water Curses EP. Then Sung Tongs, the Prospect Hummer EP, Feels, and the People EP. Let me know what your favorite Animal Collective project from this list has been so far, or you can let me know what your favorite Animal Collective project in general is. Tweet me at Sound Encounters. I'm curious and excited to see what your picks are. Now, if you listen to all of these projects and still want more Animal Collective, then be sure to join me next week as I'll be getting into their weirder and more experimental output. All right, so that does it for this week of Sound Encounters. 
Be sure to come back next week if you want to hear the full guide to Animal Collective, to hear the full completion of this guide, especially if you're not only a fan of Animal Collective, but if you're enjoying the records that I told you to uh, listen to, recommend it to, that you listen to. Follow the Sound Encounters Twitter and Instagram at Sound Encounters. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and it could be featured on the next episode of Sound Encounters. Do you have a question or suggestion for me? Then visit the Twitter or Anchor page and submit your question. That too could be featured on the next episode of Sound Encounters. Thank you to Soundstripe for their wonderful selection of music, which I use today. And thank you for tuning in and listening and supporting my little show here. I'm Caesar. this has been Sound Encounters, and I'll see you next week.